If you're enjoying the Teas Made podcast, I would love for you to check out my blog, which is also called The Teas Made. We're doing something called the So Slow Book Club, where I'm writing about the same book all year long. And I'm writing regular essays on everything from sending kids to college to why and what I'm loving creating in the kitchen these days. When you subscribe for free, you'll get my posts in your email inbox, or you can jump in on the conversation over at my page. I also have some optional goodies for paid subscribers that you're going to want to check out too. Spring is here, and I have a long list of topics I'm planning to cover. Everything from updated skincare recommendations to some recipes for fun spring-themed beverages. Come join the conversation about connection and creativity at theteasmade.com. What does the name of this podcast, The Teas Made, mean to you? To me, the words The Teas Made imply hospitality and slowing down. They mean I'm here, I'm listening, and I have time for you and for myself. In the 10th episode of this podcast, I'm going to dig a little deeper into some of my own practices around tea and how I incorporate it into my life. And I'm going to answer all kinds of great questions I've gotten from this community about how to choose good tea, how to brew tea, and teapots and strainers and all kinds of accessories like that. So warm up that kettle and get out your favorite cup because it's all here in this episode of The Tea's Made. Hi friends, you're listening to The Tea's Made and I'm so glad you're here. I'm Megan Francis, a writer, mom of five, and a lover of books, walks in the forest, cozy blankets, and of course, steaming cups of tea. This podcast is your chance to step out of the busyness of everyday life and find some calm and connection with cozy conversations about everything from natural wellness and self-care to creating comforting rituals and routines in your home and family life. And of course, we'll talk a little bit about beverages as well, including my very favorite beverage, tea. So take a moment to pour a cup of your favorite drink and pull up a chair. The tea's made, and I'm so glad you're here with me. Hi, friends. Happy to be back with you today. Over in my neck of the woods, the Christmas decorations are finally down. Kids are back in school, and we are getting back to normal life after the holiday. I hope your vacation was lovely and that you're now getting a chance to sit down in a quiet house with a cup of tea. And speaking of, today's episode is all about tea. I wrote a post for my Substack last week about how I'm starting to see drinking tea as not just something I do to wake me up in the morning or help me fall asleep at night, but more as a lifestyle or even a way of looking at the world. I have loved expanding on my knowledge and experience of teas themselves, but it's more than just a beverage to me. There's an essence to the preparation, the serving, and the enjoyment of tea I'm trying to incorporate into the rest of my life as well. As I wrote on my Substack lately, and that's at meganfrancis.substack.com, simply put, I want to create a reality in which the kettle is always on, a life in which I'm available for the things that matter, like quiet connection or warm conversation, a world in which slowing down and enjoying small rituals becomes a regular part of each day. Perhaps it sounds simplistic, but tea feels like a doorway to this way of being in the world. And the more I explore it, the more drawn in I feel. So in today's episode, I'm going to share more about what I'm calling my tea lifestyle and the hows and whens and whys around the way I enjoy tea. I'm also going to answer some great questions I got from the community. And those were sent to me at Megan Francis. 
But you can also follow just this show at at the teas made on Instagram. Okay, before we get to the rest of the episode, I want to share what I'm drinking today. Right now, I am drinking Guangzhou Milk Oolong from David's Tea. So I've been drinking more oolong teas lately, and I'm loving them. And this one's really good. It's really light. It almost seems like a cross between black tea and green tea. And it's smooth and creamy. I don't put anything in it, and it's delicious. If you want to read more about this oolong or why I'm wanting to try more oolongs this year, you can check out that post I mentioned in Substack where I wrote about my tea goals for 2024. I'm also planning a follow-up episode where I'm going to talk more about specific kinds of tea I love, and I'll do that in the next month or so. But today, I really want to talk more about the practice and rituals of making and drinking tea. Okay, so before I get to the questions people sent on Instagram, I've had a few people ask me to share my specific tea routines, so I just want to do that today. So I'm not like regularly doing formal tea ceremonies over here. On the surface, there's nothing that special about the way I make or drink my tea, and I'll get more into the making in a little bit when I answer those questions. But I will just share a little bit about how a day in tea looks for me. So I usually drink a cup of black tea within 10 or 15 minutes of waking up. On the mornings when my kids are here, the first thing I'll do is often go start the kettle and then put out the tea things, and then I go wake up the kids, and then I go back downstairs and make tea for Owen and I. Now, Clara has been drinking coffee lately, so I'll make coffee for her. Then they come down and we all sit together and have that first cup and just talk about what's up for the day. Now, sometimes they're running late and literally just have time to sit, have a few slurps and then head out. But often we sit for five or 10 minutes or even longer and chat. And we've been all drinking tea together since they were really little. It's just become part of our family's culture. So that's a really nice way for us to start the day. Now, if it's a day where the kids are with their dad or a weekend, so they're sleeping in, Often Eric will get up first and make the tea and bring me my first cup in bed, which is really nice. I like to read in bed or on the sofa with my tea before I start my work day. And lately I've been doing yoga or meditating first thing in the morning. And I really like to have my tea nearby for that. It's kind of like a security blanket, I think. And I I really do think tea can be drunk in a mindful way where I'm really paying attention to the temperature and the flavor and the way the cup feels in my hand. And all those things really fit in with the mindfulness of a yoga or meditation practice. Usually I'll have two or sometimes even three cups of tea. I just love the ritual of getting up and going back and forth between the sofa and my desk and the kettle all day long. And at some point it kind of becomes less about actually drinking the tea. In the afternoon, I am definitely looking for some tea again, and I will often switch to either a flavored black tea like an Earl Grey, something a little lighter, maybe with some fruit flavors in it or some flower petals or an oolong or a white tea. Those are less caffeinated. Or if it's getting later in the afternoon, I might actually switch to a decaffeinated black tea at that point. One of my goals for 2024 is to start doing more of what you might call a proper afternoon tea with some kind of a little snack, especially the days the kids are with me after school. It sounds like such a fun way to catch up at the end of their school day. So after two or three o'clock in the afternoon, I am usually done with any kind of caffeinated tea, and then I will switch to herbals as the day goes on. I might do something kind of fruity or lemony or a detox tea in the later afternoon, and then switch to a sleepy time tea right before bed, chamomile or something like that. Eric isn't a black tea drinker, but he does like herbals, and we both love experimenting with our own blends. We make teas from plants we foraged from the yard, and we both have a ton of fun with that. So technically, herbal infusions aren't really teas, but they for sure do fit into my daily routine, so I wanted to make sure to mention them. 
I will be doing more episodes in the future that are specifically about herbs and herbal infusions, so I won't get into that too much in today's episode, but they are a big part of my day. Okay, friends, you have already heard me talk about my new Uptown Loafers from our sponsor, Vionic. I love these versatile, classic, and comfy slip-on shoes, and the Uptown Loafer is part of the Vionic Vitals collection, which is what I want to tell you about today. Vionic Vitals contains some of Vionic's most versatile daily styles. So if you've been curious about Vionic but are overwhelmed by all the choices, start with the Vitals collection first. The Willow Flat was my very first Vionic style, and I have been in love with it for years. I'm also eyeballing the Chardonnay Heeled Sandal for summer date nights. Like all of Vionic's footwear, the shoes in the Vionic Vitals line are super comfortable, stable, and supportive with Vionic's exclusive Viomotion technology. Go to vionicshoes.com vitals to find the Vitals collection and use the code TEASEMADE at checkout for 15% off your entire order, plus free shipping when you log into your account. That code is good for a one-time use only, so be sure to make the most of it. That's TEASEMADE, T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E, for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com. Okay, so let's get to the questions. So the first question is from travelinggem22 on Instagram, and I love this question. She asks, how do you organize all your tea, cups, pots, etc.? Okay, this is definitely something that is in progress. Right now, the loose leaf tea is mostly in mason jars, or I have a few tins. They're in one cupboard, so I've got all of my tea in one cupboard. I've got all of my cups, my pots, and my strainers in another cupboard. And these are just in the kitchen. I will say I have been looking for months for what I'm calling a pretties cupboard. And that's where I want to put my teaware on display. Eric and I are trying to find this uh, vintage or antique. It is going slowly because we haven't found the perfect piece for the space that we have. So I'm just going to say that I very much desire a space to do a whole tea display but I just moved into this house, which was formerly my new husband's house last spring. And so sort of identifying that space to spread out in is just taking time. So I will keep you posted about that. But right now it's pretty simple. I do find that mason jars work really well, especially because you can buy all kinds of fun lids. If you're not actually trying to like can vegetables or fruits in them, um, it doesn't have to have those screw on lids. You can find fun wooden ones that kind of have a vacuum seal and go in that way. There are all kinds of different fun lids and tea is really pretty. So I would just recommend starting with clear glass jars where your tea can be seen. Okay. I am the clutter buster on Instagram asked, what's the best way to make iced tea at home? This is a great question, but I have to admit I am not the biggest iced tea drinker every now and then, like on the hottest, hottest day of the summer, when I really want to have something cold and maybe a little caffeinated, I might get an iced tea, but in general, I don't really like super cold drinks. I like room temperature or tepid or warm drinks. So all that said, to my understanding, you just brew up regular tea and pour it over ice. So if you have a black tea that you love, you could just make a cup of black tea and pour that over ice and have a good iced tea. And maybe the reason I don't love iced tea when I get it in restaurants is that the tea they're starting with isn't that great. I know a lot of them are just made from concentrates. And so now I'm wondering if maybe this summer I should try brewing up my own iced tea with something a little more quality or a little more interesting. 
I have enjoyed icing herbal teas or even just brewing up maybe like a fruity herbal tea and then mixing that into a mocktail or a cocktail. That can be really fun to experiment with. So I would recommend trying that as well. I will have to circle back with you about iced tea because it's just not something I've delved into that much, but I can definitely see that there might be more potential that I haven't explored. Okay, so Sherry Tiernan asked, how exactly do you use the electric kettle? Do you keep it on all day? Okay, so I have to mention that Sherry is a moderator at the Tea Circle community, and we were just having a discussion about electric kettles. So I had a really simple KitchenAid kettle that I loved, but it just went kaput. And I'm considering buying a new one with more bells and whistles. Now, that said, I have to say that before I had the electric kettle, I got by just fine with a basic stovetop kettle. And then that electric kettle was really simple, but it worked great. It didn't have a temperature read. It didn't have a stay warm feature, but it heated up really fast. So it really worked for me. And I guess that just kind of showed me that you can have a really simple setup and still have a great tea life. So yeah, the way I would use it is when I wanted a new cup of tea, I would just go hit the little lever to heat up fresh water. One of the rules of good tea is that you want to use fresh water since when you boil water, it removes the oxygen. So if you boil the same pot of water more than once, or if you have a little leftover at the bottom and you reboil it, you're going to be pretty much out of oxygen. And that oxygen really helps add flavor to your tea. So I will say I'm not religious about this, but when I have the time or think to, I will empty and refill the pot with fresh water. But I think if you had a kettle that had a stay warm feature, it would be nice and it would probably eliminate the need for fresh water because you wouldn't be reboiling it. It would just hold it at your temperature. Now, I haven't actually seen a tea kettle that holds the temperature for more than like an hour at a time. I'm sure they probably exist. I have also seen those gooseneck kettles that people use for pour over coffee. And those can be really fancy with a lot of features. Personally, I think they're probably overkill. I can see how that really narrow spout would give you more control over how fast you pour. I just don't really think you need that level of control when you're pouring into a big tea mug. And in the past, when I've used that kind of kettle, I've been kind of annoyed at how slowly they pour. And I also just don't love the look. I tend to be drawn to a more traditional looking kettle. And a lot of the ones with the bells and whistles have a really minimalist look. And it's just not my thing. So a kettle is a totally different purchase from a teapot. But I actually just put a post up on my Substack asking for your help so that I can choose a new kettle. So go check that out when you're done listening for a little inspiration. Some of these are so pretty. And to help me choose, that is at Megan Francis, M-E-A-G-A-N-F-R-A-N-C-I-S dot substack dot com. Okay, friends, I got my pair of Uptown Loafers from our sponsor, Vionic, and I just had to tell you about them. They're cute and classic and really lightweight, and they do actually pack flat. I am definitely going to be taking these on all my spring travels, and I can see myself wearing them with everything from jeans and trousers to dresses and maybe a little later on shorts. I got them in camel leather, but they come in 12 different colors. The Uptown Loafer is part of the Vionic Vitals collection, which features some of their most versatile daily styles. And of course, you know you can count on your Vionics to be super comfortable, stable, and supportive. Use code TEASMADE at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That code's good for a one-time use only at vionicshoes.com, and again, you're going to get 15% off your entire order. 
I'll also have a link to that offer on my shop page and you can find that in the show notes. Again, the code is TEASMADE, T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E at Vionicshoes.com. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, next up, I've got two really similar questions. Casey Burbs asked, loose leaf or bagged and why? And Mara Whitesell asked, how do I make the leap to loose leaf or can I get great tea bags? Okay, so this can be a little controversial in tea circles. I am just beginning to learn about the ways that teas are judged for quality and what characteristics might make someone say that one tea is better than another. It is complicated. It seems like it's often very subjective and there are different systems in different countries, which makes it even more confusing. But one of the ways that teas are judged is through a grading system that ranks the tea based on the size and wholeness of the leaf. So a tea blended from whole unbroken leaves on this scale would typically be graded higher than something with lots of broken leaves or mostly broken leaves or fannings as they're called. And then as you get further and further down the line, you actually have what's basically considered dust. So generally speaking, loose leaf is the highest graded tea and traditional flat bagged teas are the least and then pyramid or sachet style bags are in the middle. Now I am saying generally because I'm not an expert and I'm sure there are teas out there that defy these generalizations. But in my experience, it's usually true that loose leaf teas are higher quality and some of the cheaper bagged teas, and I'm talking about the kind where you buy like 100 bags crammed into a box, those are essentially filled with dust. Now, there's a time and a place for those. And sometimes you're out and that's all that's available. But the more I'm drinking really good tea, the less interested I'm becoming in that tea dust. And often the tea bags themselves contain microplastics or they've been bleached. I really do think you can pick up on a chlorinated taste with some of those tea bags. And the other thing I don't love about those paper tea bags stuffed with dust is they brew so fast that often I find if I go to a coffee shop or something, they're overbrewed by the time I have a chance to get the bag out of the water. And places like Starbucks will jam two tea bags in a cup and then it just tastes like bad tea that's also too strong. It just doesn't make sense to me. Just a side note that more and more I'm finding that it just doesn't feel worth getting tea at any kind of grab and go place anymore. I can't control how the tea is brewed. I wind up adding a bunch of sugar and cream just to make it taste okay. And then I'm grumpy because it still doesn't taste good. So I'm finding the more tea I drink, the more I just don't want to bother with it. Honestly, it's also just not the way I want to enjoy my tea. Like I don't want to drink tea out of a blazing hot, smushy paper cup through a hole in a plastic lid. I can't even get enough tea in my mouth to taste anything. I would honestly rather go to a diner somewhere and have them hand me like a bag of Lipton in a ceramic mug and at least let me control some part of the experience. So that's just me. I'm just sort of over on the go drinks in general. And maybe I'd feel a little differently if I was a coffee drinker. But as a tea drinker, it just doesn't feel worth the money to me a lot of the time. I will say I have been taking my own insulated mug on longer trips when I travel, and that helps a little bit. I actually don't mind going to a gas station because then at least I can control how long the hot water is in there and how it's prepared. I'm just finding that coffee shop tea so often just isn't worth the money to me. Now, all of that said, some of the sachet style tea bags are pretty good. So Harney and Sons and Smith Teas are two brands I love for loose leaf tea, but they both also package some of their teas in BPA-free sachets um, that are non-toxic, that don't have glue or staples in them, which is still a thing with a lot of tea bag companies. 
Mighty Leaf is readily available and I have seen it in lower end hotels. I've seen it in gas stations. They sell their tea in a biodegradable cornstarch based pouch. And then there are companies like uh, Fraser Tea, which is Michigan based. And that has a nice bag too. So it's definitely very possible to find better bagged tea. I just still think loose leaf is best. So I will opt for that whenever I can. And I also think it's more economical because you're not paying for convenience. You're not paying for packaging and you can control how much tea you steep. And I almost always get at least two steepings out of every portion of tea leaves that I put in my strainer or my pot. Okay, so that leads me to two more similar questions. One is from Kathy QN on Instagram asking which accessories I like best, like a strainer or a tea ball or a teapot. And Emma Smith SF asks the best way to use loose leaf tea. I do agree with you, Emma. It can be really confusing. And I think this is something I am still learning so much about, but here's my best answer. So first of all, teapots and tea kettles are not the same thing. I did not know that for a long time. So no shame if you are also confused. Most teapots are meant to be filled with already hot water. So you typically don't heat the water in the teapot. Now I'm saying typically because there are cast iron teapots on the market that theoretically you could heat up on the stovetop. There's actually a traditional Japanese style of teapot called a tetsubin that was designed originally to be heated over charcoal stoves. So they became popular in the 1700s, but you can find similar styles today, including some more Western cast iron teapots that are inspired by the tetsubin I have one that was actually a gift and I think it came from world market or something, but I didn't know how to use it for years. Often they have an enamel coating inside, so they're metal, but they're still not meant to be used directly over the heat. And the thing is, even if you could put the pot right on your stovetop, you still wouldn't necessarily want to put your tea leaves in the kettle with the water and then heat up the whole thing because tea is meant to be steeped and not boiled. So you wouldn't want your tea leaves sitting in continuously boiling water. And it's a lot easier to control the water's temperature if you heat it up first, then pour it over your leaves. So that's why the tea kettle and the teapot are two completely separate things. You need the kettle. You don't necessarily need a pot. I own a couple of teapots, but usually I just use a strainer insert and that goes right into a mug. I do prefer the strainer insert to a tea ball or one of those spoon-shaped tea strainers because one of the things you really want to make sure you're doing when you're steeping tea is to get lots of movement and circulation of the water around the tea leaves. And a nice big strainer allows a lot of room for that. The tea leaves can float. They can kind of unfurl in the water. And you can really see the difference when you watch a cup of tea steep loose like that. The tea balls and those spoon-shaped strainers pack the tea in really tightly and there's just not as much room for the water to circulate. And that's just important for flavor. Now, the tea strainers I use are nothing fancy. It's just a little metal insert. You stick it inside a mug. I probably have 10 of them that came with different mugs I bought. They are not hard to find. They're just little inserts that are kind of shaped like a cup. They fit inside your mug. They hold the dry tea leaves. They allow the water to circulate around and brew it. And like I mentioned, I have a few different teapots. I use them when I want to make multiple cups of tea at a time, like if I'm sharing with Eric or the kids. Or maybe it's a lazy Saturday morning and I just want to sit with my pot and like pour cup after cup and not get back up to make it. And I really love the way they look. But honestly, you do not need a teapot to brew great tea. And if it's just like a typical weekday morning, I'm usually just going to reach for a mug and a strainer and make my tea right in the mug. I like the mugs that have a lid that doubles as a saucer for the strainer when you're done steeping. And then once I've portioned it out, I always get at least one more cup of tea out of that first batch of tea leaves. 
that high quality tea really does go a long way. So I actually think it's a great value. Now, if you're making tea in a teapot, there are teapots that come with strainers that go in the pot, or you can just put the leaves in the pot, you pour in the water and let it brew, and then you pour the tea through a strainer to keep the leaves from falling into your cup. If I was making a full pot of tea, I would prefer to use a strainer that goes in the pot, unless I'm going to use up all the tea in the first pouring, like say I'm pouring to multiple people. Because if any tea is going to get left in the pot, I don't want it left in there with the tea leaves, because then it's probably going to overbrew. I do have a really cute, small, single-use teapot. I don't bother with a strainer in the pot for that one, but most of the other ones I do, and I just don't use them that often. That is like a weekend thing. Okay, friends, I got my pair of Uptown Loafers from our sponsor, Vionic, and I just had to tell you about them. They're cute and classic and really lightweight, and they do actually pack flat. I am definitely going to be taking these on all my spring travels, and I can see myself wearing them with everything from jeans and trousers to dresses and maybe a little later on shorts. I got them in camel leather, but they come in 12 different colors. The Uptown Loafer is part of the Vionic Vitals collection, which features some of their most versatile daily styles. And of course, you know you can count on your Vionics to be super comfortable, stable, and supportive. Use code TEASMADE at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That code's good for a one-time use only at vionicshoes.com, and again, you're going to get 15% off your entire order. I'll also have a link to that offer on my shop page, and you can find that in the show notes. Again, the code is TEASMADE, T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E, at vionicshoes.com. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so let's talk about the steeping process. How hot do you get the water? Um, well, that's really dependent on the type of tea. So with the black tea, you want the water almost boiling, like just under boiling. With white tea, you want it a bit cooler than that. And with green tea, a bit cooler still. And this is where I guess it could come in handy to have a readout on the kettle. I will say though, I've gotten pretty good at being able to sort of read the temperature of a kettle. I'll let it come to a boil, I'll remove it from the heat, and then if it's black tea, I just wait a little bit. If it's white tea, I wait a little longer, maybe two minutes or so. I rarely make green tea, but if I was making that, I'd wait maybe another two or three minutes. And of course, this is also dependent on how insulated the kettle is, how much water you're heating. But part of the fun of tea, I think, is experimenting. And to me, it's just become intuitive over time. Okay, so how much tea to use? Most teas will tell you in the packaging how much to use. I find that a teaspoon per cup is pretty standard, but remember that that is based on an eight ounce cup. And most mugs are more like 12 ounces or sometimes 16. So you're probably gonna need to boost that amount a little bit. Um, and then they're gonna give you a steeping time usually on the package too. I've found that for black teas between three and five minutes is pretty standard, but I've seen as little as one minute, as long as five minutes or more. So you can play around a little bit and see what you like. And then over time, I think you're just going to find that you start to develop an intuitive sense around all of these things, temperature and time and all the rest of it. Okay, well, that is all the questions I have time to answer this episode, but this has been so fun. Honestly, one of my favorite episodes to prepare so far. I want to just say that I enjoyed tea for decades in those kind of cheap paper bags, and there is nothing wrong with that. The more that I have delved into the higher quality loose leaf tea, 
the more that I've just gotten interested in the whole process and really the more I'm realizing the complexity of tea. I know there are people who become coffee snobs and wine snobs, and I guess I'm turning into a bit of a tea snob, but just hopefully not a snobby one. When loose leaf isn't an option, I do definitely think that those sachets and the pyramid style bags are fine. And when you can't get your hands on either of those, you know, a good old bag of Lipton will do the trick. I would just recommend drinking it sitting down in a real mug, maybe with a good friend. I would love for you to check out the articles I've written on my Substack about tea lately. I've got the new one up, which I would love your input on helping me choose my next electric kettle. And I also put up a post a little over a week ago where I talked about some of my tea goals for 2024. And I would love for you to check that one out too. And again, I'm going to have more content and episodes coming up soon where I delve more into specific teas and herbal blends and things like that as well. So definitely keep an eye out for that. If I had to say a couple of things that I am looking forward to in 2024, I would love to learn a lot more about worldwide tea rituals and practices. I am most familiar with the English style afternoon tea, but I'm curious about tea rituals and tea traditions from all over the world. And more and more, I'm just going to be looking for opportunities to sit down with a cup and talk to someone else. Like I said in the post I put up about my tea lifestyle goals for 2024, I wrote this. There's something about our modern grab-and-go culture that's really hard to pull off with tea. Try ordering a cup of tea at a typical coffee shop and you'll see what I mean. There's something just plain depressing about being handed a paper cup with a tea bag string hanging limply out the side. It seems to me that in order to capture the spirit of tea, it's meant to be prepared mindfully and enjoyed socially. If you consider yourself a tea drinker or would like to become one, I would love to hear from you. If you've got any favorite stores or varieties to share or tea practices you'd like to try in 2024, please send me an email and let me know about it. You can reach me at meganfrancis at gmail.com. That's Megan, M-E-A-G-A-N-F-R-A-N-C-I-S at gmail.com. Or find me on my substack, meganfrancis.substack.com or on Instagram at meganfrancis. That's all for this episode of The Teas Made. You can find links to the products and other things we talked about today in the show notes for this episode. You can find that by scrolling down below the episode in your podcast app, or you can go to theteasmade.com and find all the episodes, plus resources, links to my favorite teas and books and other products, a link to my private community for women, and so much more. I share new episodes every Thursday, so please follow or subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And while you're in your podcast app, I would love if you'd leave a rating or review. It really helps me out so much. Okay, friends, that's all for now. I will talk to you again very soon. If you're enjoying the Teas Made podcast, I would love for you to check out my blog, which is also called The Teas Made. We're doing something called the So Slow Book Club, where I'm writing about the same book all year long, and I'm writing regular essays on everything from sending kids to college to why and what I'm loving creating in the kitchen these days. When you subscribe for free, you'll get my posts in your email inbox, or you can jump in on the conversation over at my page. I also have some optional goodies for paid subscribers that you're going to want to check out too. Spring is here, and I have a long list of topics I'm planning to cover. Everything from updated skincare recommendations to some recipes for fun spring-themed beverages. Come join the conversation about connection and creativity at theteasmade.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.